Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back to the Grey Malkin Lane podcast, where queer friends and allies gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics in continuity order. I am so excited to welcome Jason Lowe back to the show, uh, to welcome my friend Christy Porter to the show for the first time, and I am thrilled to be meeting uh, Ryan Panagos. Uh, uh, what a huge honor to have all three of you here with me today. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Wolverine Minus One in the latter half of today's episode. It's a weird story called A Whiff of Sartre's Madeline, and I'm going to clear this up really quickly uh this is a this is a weird title it's a reference to a french novelist uh, or philosopher named sartre but the writer i think got it wrong so there's another novelist named marcel proust who wrote a book uh that's like twice as long as war and peace and he interviewed or like he introduced a trope where there's a character that has a bite of madeleine cake and the taste like restores his memory so the title of this, A Whiff of Sartre's Madeline, seems to be a, 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 a minor memory that you're getting from a smell. <laughs> that's, a, that's the weird setup. We'll get to that in the latter half of the show. Uh, but my question as we're intro uh, introducing everybody today is, uh, what is a taste or a smell that you have now that will take you back to a moment in childhood? So let me have you each introduce yourselves. Let me know your name, your gender pronouns, where we might know you from. And then that is our intro question for today. Uh, let's begin with Ryan. Hi. Hello, Marvelites. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. You may know me from lots of Marvel things. The first episode of Marvel Studios, Ms. Marvel, which you can watch on Disney+, Plus, hosting This Week in Marvel, and so much more. I've been at Marvel what would it be 17 years in uh, in October? Um, I go by uh, he him, and uh, yeah, I I'm, I like Marvel. I've been reading these these Marvel comics since I was like six years old, so it's it's been fun to do what I do uh, for a very long time. Too, I was thinking about your question too, Chad, and um, I have a spinner rack behind me. I'll, I'm, Yes. As you can see, I have a spinner rack behind me and uh, it's it's full of issues of what if and what the uh, and some some other 80s and 90s books, so all from books that I've had since they originally came out. And I, those like that was a immediately what I thought of, because every once in a while I'll pop open one of those comics um, or I have some that are not in in bags and boards and just the smell of a comic from like 1988 will immediately like, I feel like I'm just getting pushed backwards in my chair. I can remember being in my childhood bedroom, or I remember, you know, we're talking about X-Men stuff. I remember when I first read some Claremont and Byrne issues at a laundromat uh, next to a, a used bookstore that I went to with my mom as a kid. And they they had a bunch of like I, I remember 143 Uncanny X Men 143 the Nagari issue where Kitty's yeah. at home during the holidays like that one I read like five times the first time I got it and I had those issues and then I 
like it, that feeling, that smell, that sense memory is so incredible when I open up an old comic book. So if I like at a comic convention and I just happen by an old books, I'll just stand there and just start smelling <laughs> comics like a weirdo. I feel like every listener knows what that means, but that's the weird thing to talk about is like you read your books and smell them as you go. <laughs> yep. There's that very tough. specific newsprint. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I get it. I get it. Uh, let's go over to uh, Christy Porter next. Hi, Christy. Hi, I'm Christy Porter. I use she, they pronouns. Uh, I am a journalist and a writer. At the moment, I am the managing editor of Salt Lake Magazine. Uh, I'm also an occasional cosplayer and producer, <laughs> just depending on the uh, situation. Uh, let's see. As far as ooh, a smell uh, or a taste. So, and this one is very specific, I think, to maybe just... So uh, I was one of six kids, you know, uh, like Chad, I have a really fun, exciting Mormon upbringing, Uh, (laughs) but uh, we uh, didn't get a lot of one-on-one time with my mom when you got six kids, but occasionally I would be the one in the car with her. She was driving around doing errands and stuff and everyone would either be elsewhere or busy in the back seat and I'd be in the front seat because I was the oldest girl and I could have that one-on-one time. But the thing that always brings me back there is like, watered down diet coke because this was before anybody was like kids have water (laughs) bottles with you so you're always hydrated and my mom was a total diet coke addict so whenever i would get thirsty or like have to take a pill or whatever be like oh can i have a sip of your diet coke and inevitably it would be mostly melted ice and a little splash of diet coke and that is uh that is it'll snap me right back there trying to like be an adult in the front seat with my mom oh my god that's like my mom would carry the big cups from the gas station around and like send you in to get a refill oh yeah i remember this yes (laughs) a specific amount of ice needed like don't take it past the line it's too much ice (laughs) now christy and her romantic partner philip cv have become real life friends of my husband and i it's really fun to have you on the show today christy thanks for coming uh and then over to jason hi Hi, uh, uh, my name is Jason Lowe. Uh, I am he and him. Uh, people might know me I'm as uh, the, a cartoonist for Marvel in the past few years. I've done, done stuff for X-Men Unlimited, such as uh, that uh, Jubilee's birthday story and the Madrox and, and Strong Guy hijinks. And also uh, I've, I've done stuff for Marvel Meow and Lucky the Pizza Dog. Um, now that question... Uh, taste or smell that brings me back to my youth um now you guys are american so i don't know if you guys are familiar with kinder surprise eggs <laughs> yeah okay yeah. I, I was born in germany so oh great yeah because yeah i i hear yeah they're banned in, in the states for those that don't know listeners that don't know uh they're chocolate eggs with like white chocolate lining inside and inside that chocolate egg shell is this capsule where you open it this plax this plastic capsule contains this little toy or figurine that you can build or you can get a, a race car or a, a cartoon character like goofy or, or a spaceship um i remember like during the pandemic um waiting in line at a drugstore and they would just be on the uh uh at, at like near near the checkout so it's like one of those things that, like you know, you, we, uh, me and my partner would just pick up for uh, as a last minute treat. And whenever I uh, take a bite into that, it brings me back to when I was four to six years old, 
when my mom would pick me up from school and she'd always have like a Kinder Surprise egg or, or some kind of treat, like Garbage Pail Kids uh, trading cards. Like she would always give me some kind of surprise after school. But, but the Kinder Surprise eggs was was, was something because uh, also my, my, my uncle and aunt, they ran a convenience store and uh, my, my cousin got access to lots of them. And he found this Mickey Mouse figurine and it was like, and he passed it down to me, and that became my most treasured uh, toy as a kid, was a Mickey Mouse that was found in a Kinder Surprise Egg. That is, uh, my uncle was stationed in Germany when I was a kid, and he'd always bring boxes of Kinder Eggs back for us. That was actually a huge part of my childhood. Oh, this is fun. I'm, like, going all back to all these. Yeah, same. I'm going to talk about <laughs> Lebkuchen later. It'll be great, guys. <laughs> uh, lastly, I'm Chad Anderson. I use he, him pronouns. You guys know me as the host of this show. I'm a former Marvel Comics handbook writer, as well as a documentarian and author. I am uh, a therapist by trade, and I do trauma therapy. And there is a weird thing about scent particularly that acts as a memory recall device. Uh, people can imprint scent along with trauma, but it also works with safety as well. Weirdly, the story that showed up for me here uh, when I considered this question, I remember being challenged by my brother when I was a kid to, I don't even know why this was a challenge, but I had to put a fresh washcloth in my mouth and bite down on it and run up and down the stairs three times. And I don't know why this was a thing, but I did it. And I remember at the end just being like, <laughs> driving at the end and there's something about that experience which i never repeated when i go into like a fresh linen closet and it's like that really overpowering laundry smell i go back there and i'm like whoa like it's a it's a smell i really despise when it's really overpowering uh so scent memory can work in really fascinating ways we will talk about wolverine's wacky memories later <laughs> uh, I'm really excited to get to know Ryan a little bit. Uh, Ryan, I've been aware of your journey for a long time, but it was so fun to watch you hosting the uh, the live online kind of X-Men celebration show a few months back, which is when I reached out to you. Uh, it's such an honor to have you here. I would love to hear, if we can start here, just a little bit of your origin story as a comic book fan and your journey into becoming uh, Marvel's Agent M, which I want to talk about too. Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I think about the the comic book origin a lot because it's also a question I pose on my This Week at Marvel podcast because I don't know exactly how I first got my hands on comics. It was I was very young and my my uncle had read comics when he was younger, but he didn't give me his comics until many years later. And I was an only child, uh, single mom who worked all the time. So it's probably just like comics were were kind of present in in the 80s and so uh somehow i got my hands on them and i remember very specifically being at summer camp when i was like six or seven years old reading punisher war journal with wolverine and punisher like wolverine jim lee carl potts like vicious awesome comic that a seven-year-old or a six-year-old like probably shouldn't be reading but hey i'm fine i remember having like avengers west coast john byrne scarlet witch like holding the team and they're falling down you know those everybody knows those covers um having some of those books early on and just being enamored of comics and then really becoming an x-men and a spider-man and punisher kid i didn't read the avengers i fell in love with the X-Men. Uh, then, of course, the cartoon came out as I was, you know, turning like 10, 11. And so it was like the perfect time. Uh, Spider-Man is the greatest fictional character of all time. So like, of course, I love Spider-Man. And the Punisher, I don't know. 
Punisher's real messed up for a little kid to love, but that was me. And uh, yeah, so I, I became a big comic book fan. And then, you know, mostly almost almost exclusively Marvel for my entire life. And then um, on and off, like I'm sure most of us were, you know, things happen. You go to school, you this, that. I got into like punk rock and hardcore and photography and all these different things. And um, comics waxed and waned. I remember going to like a punk rock show wearing a preacher t-shirt and then realizing that like, I wasn't alone. The guy at the door was like, I love that comic book. And I was like, cool, <laughs> me too. Uh, and so all kinds of like that stuff, seeing that community build. And I read Wizard Magazine a lot and Toy Fair Magazine as I was growing up. Uh, I think you and I must be like of a similar age. You're like, <laughs> you're yeah, I, my entire origin story here. <laughs> I am. I am 42. And so it was like, it all hit the right spots. 44 here. Yeah. High five. Go. Go yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, I loved wizard and I loved toy fair and I uh, went to school for journalism at SUNY purchase in New York. And um, I have a degree in journalism and a minor in um, photojournalism. And I was like, I'm going to go out and, and make my way as a journalist. And that sometimes works for people and sometimes doesn't. But I saw uh, an ad for a, an assistant editor job at Toy Fair Magazine right as I was graduating. And I was like, great, I'm going to apply for it. Boom, boom, boom. I got a call right near the end of my time in school. And they're like, hi, is this Ryan? Yeah. Uh, hi, this is Justin Ackland from Toy Fair Magazine. You applied for the assistant editor position. Um, I got the job, but I need a freelance writer. Would you like to write for me? Which was really wonderful, um, as anyone knows. You know, it, getting that that hand to like pull you along is a very difficult thing. And uh, I would give shout out to Matt Senreich, who has done Robot Chicken and a million other things. He's the one who pushed Justin to reach out to this kid who probably didn't have any reason to be applying for that 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 job as an editor uh, at that point in his career, but. They gave me a, a try at some freelance writing. So I was writing about toys and, and all kinds of stuff and learning and phone making phone calls to uh, folks in like Hong Kong in the middle of the day and like trying to like arrange things about um, weird military toys and all kinds of different things. And after a while of working for Toy Fair, I got a request to come in for an interview. They had a research position open uh, for the magazines, Toy Fair, Wizard, their anime magazine, their Inquest. Um, I went in, I had my best ill-fitting suit and a Venom, Eric Larson Venom tie. And I went <laughs> and I bombed. I bombed so hard. <laughs> Flop sweat. I, you know, at this point I'm like 22, whatever it was. It just nightmarish. It, it, I finished the interview where we were sitting in this big conference room and they're up on the wall are the covers for those first bunch of wizard magazines. And my, my first wizard magazine that I remember was issue eight. And it had this amazing Wills Portacio Bishop cover. And mm. I love Bishop. He's one of my favorite characters. And Wills is one of the greatest artists I think we've had in Marvel and, and throughout the nineties. And uh, they asked me a question. I was like that, cover is good and they're just like okay and i'm just terrible terrible stuff go to my car i left the lights on my battery died so i have to go back in and be like can you please jump start my car and they did and the very gruff managing editor did it for me and it was you know i got home i went from about an hour north of new york city back to where i lived in brooklyn that was done i was like all right my career is over 
a little while later, a couple months later, I, I think uh, they called me back and said, all right, you're still doing good freelance work. Let's give you one more try. We have another job open. This is a price guide assistant. Come back up. Having gotten through the horror of the first time, I don't remember anything about the second interview, but I aced it. It was fine. It was great. I got the job shortly thereafter um, and then sort of began my career in comics working my way through and up Wizard Magazine, taking over the price guide, building that out, bringing more independent comics into the magazine, um, which I was really a big fan of, bringing more video games into the magazine. I got a video game on the cover of the magazine for the first time. I worked through things, and then I became a contact for Wizard with Marvel Comics. And what year What year is this? Uh, uh, yeah, so thank you. That's um, I got the job. I started 2003. Oh, crap. I started 20 years ago, like right around now. Hey. Congratulations. Thanks. It's one, thank you. It's one of those weird things. You forget about some of those things, but it was like, yeah, it was probably right around August, September of 2003. I started at Wizard and uh, I was there for three years. And across those three years, about a year and year and change in, I started working very closely with Wizard at the uh, with Marvel at the time. And that meant going to their offices and and talking with their editors and and talking with their PR and talking with the executives and getting a sense of what they were building so that we can plan out coverage because it's a magazine and print takes a lot longer. There's longer lead times. And so building those relationships, I got to go into their comics editorial retreats and just sit like a fly on the wall and see how they were building the future of Marvel Comics, which was really cool. But um, I guess I made a good impression. And one day in 2006, it was a summer, I was wearing uh, a heavy metal band t-shirt, Most Precious Blood. I was wearing uh, cargo, like camo camouflage shorts, being super professional man that I was, and visiting the offices. And I hear, I'm walking through unescorted, which is bananas to me having worked at marvel for so long they just let me roam the halls and uh i hear hey ryan come on in here and it was john dokes who was the vice president of our digital group at the time and i'd know john for uh, for some time and sat down he's like here sit down let's talk and we start talking just this and that and the other thing and it's going on for a very long time he's like i'm gonna bring somebody else in he brings in another guy and then another guy and it's an ambush interview that they didn't tell me about, that they didn't prep me for. They just decided to interview me for a job. And then I got a job offer to come over to Marvel and be the associate editor of their website. I negotiated my salary. I got an extra $2,000 out of Marvel at the time. Uh, take that, House of Ideas. And uh, <laughs> yeah, in 2006, it was October 30th, 2006, I started my career at Marvel. I, uh, I I want to ask some questions about your uh, trajectory from here, but Christy, I would actually love to hear a little bit of your origin here as well. I know you and Ryan weirdly have similar spaces that you occupy doing kind of comics journalism, if you will. Uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, I read comics a little bit as a kid, but, you know, yeah, like kind of Ryan was saying, a lot of us sort of fall off when so, you know, and plus I, I had... I moved around a lot as a kid and, you know, I never really had like a good home base store until I was in college. I started going to uh, Black Cat in, in Salt Lake City and there, you know, shout out to Greg. He's a great guy. Yeah, um, that's my local comic shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I really got back into it once they kicked off the local con here because I started cosplaying and that's when I started falling in love with a lot of these characters again. And really, I mean, my 
pretty much since then, since, you know, and that would have been, let's see, that would have been the all new era, really, um, when I when I really jumped back on. So that maybe that gives you some indication of how old I am. But um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I fell in love with these characters that I had loved in the 90s as a kid, you know, watching like the X-Men and the animated series and whatever I could get, you know, just totally like random comics, no order whatsoever, just, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. But X-Men's kind of always been the place where I felt like the most at home. But yeah, so I, I went to school for, for journalism and I dabbled in a lot of things for a little while, but, you know, that was always one of the fun things for me when I could kind of cover those community spaces that sort of came up around comics, whether it was cosplayers or cons or comics themselves. Like, I think for a lot of people, um, I found, you know, it's just a really special community. And those are really my favorite stories to tell where, uh, you know, people who felt very other, who did not feel like they belonged and they found a place where they belonged in this like really cool art form and creative area, whether as fans or cosplayers, writers, artists. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, those are the stories I love to tell as a journalist, uh, but I understand it's, uh, it's not a life for everybody. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it, it also affords me the time to, you know, travel to conventions when I, when, when the mood strikes and, uh, but yeah, so pretty much since then, you know, kind of as, uh, as the pocketbook allows, allows coming in and out of comics. So I'm, I love Marvel Unlimited because that, that allows me to read as much as I want <laughs> without <laughs> feeling like I am uh, maybe spending all of my money on comics. But yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the space where I live is. And I love those communities that, you know, exist around comics. I log an ungodly number of hours into Marvel Unlimited as I research for this show. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Ryan, uh, you created, well, maybe you created, you created the identity of Agent M, which was this interesting kind of marketing campaign for Marvel when it first started, because it was this like, it was this like reporter with like a secret identity, which was like, it was like a comic book presence, but it was a real life person. I would love to hear the Agent M story a little bit, if you're willing to share. Yeah. So Marvel has that, has a little bit of a history of having someone behind the scenes. Of course we had Stan and Stan Soapbox is sort of like that, that's the, the father of it all for us. But uh, Bill Roseman had Your Man at Marvel back in the 90s. Um, and Bill Billy now is uh, an executive. He's creative director for our games group. And, you know, I, I love Nick Fury. I think he's super cool. And when I came in, part of the remit from uh, from John Dokes, the, the guy who hired me, was to let's, let's, let's do some wizard-style content for ourselves. Like, let's build our own, tell our own stories, get our own behind the scenes and do all those things. Let's own our content, which I was very much for. And so we have a couple of blogs, Tom Brevoort, who's uh, one of our longstanding editors and, and wonderful uh, storytellers. He had a blog and we had a couple other things. And so I said, all right, I'll do a blog and sort of call it like spy in the house. And we'll do like a Nick Fury thing. And it'll be uh, sort of anonymous and we just need a name. And Doke said, okay, come up with the name. I was like, oh God, uh, Nick Fury, Agent uh, Agent P for Penagos. Great. And he's like, nope, that sucks. It's Agent M. And he walked away. And I was just like, thanks, John. Agent M, Agent Marvel. It made perfect sense. It was much better than Agent P. Uh, and, you know, we, we built a lot of behind the scenes blogs and posts and really building on that training I had at Wizard and that uh, that mentality of giving fun, exciting, rah, rah, rah 
to to what we do at Marvel based on your minute Marvel and, and the soapbox and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a fun thing. There's there's this journey, and I think every professional has this journey a little bit, where you're the fan, and then you become the colleague. And then after a period of time, with a little bit of clout, or perhaps 20 years under your belt, <laughs> you get to not just become a colleague, but a peer. And you're the guy that people are looking up to as, oh my god, I just met Ryan Panagos, right? Which is an, it's an incredible thing. What's that journey been like for you? And I'd love to hear about what you are doing at Marvel now. What's your job description these days? Yeah. You know, it, it's weird because as I mentioned, I, like I come from a punk rock hardcore background where I, I like a friend, a friend was going to see uh, to a, a Transformers convention. I love Transformers. And he was like, I got your copy of Transformers number 75, which is an issue I love. And it's written by Simon Furman. He's like, do you want Simon to sign? And I was like, oh, I guess I like, I love Simon's work, but I don't, I don't care about signatures. Like it's not a thing. It's like, I love the stories. I love talking to people, but I don't need a signature to, to, to like, make it special the story in and of itself is special um to me and, and knowing the, the person and having a conversation with them so like i don't i, I it feels weird to put myself on on in, on airs about that like i just rather be like the dude everybody can talk to and, and hang out with and like make people feel welcome to you know, that's why i did it for you <laughs> <laughs> but like to christy's point it's like these communities are so special like this is we have to be inclusive we have to be welcoming we have to be you know, able to just like sit down and chat with someone and make them feel part of it because that's how I think a lot of us get in there and we have to make sure that the, the next generations can have those moments and and not feel like, oh, I can't talk to X, Y, or Z because, you know, dang it, we're just just regular people and doing these things. So um, yeah, that's my little rah-rah about that. Uh, as for what I'm doing right now, uh, so I've been hosting This Week in Marvel, our flagship podcast for almost 12 years we, we launched in november of whatever 12 years ago is 2011 and uh been doing that's a lot that. of work my friend it is and i i've i've said we'll never miss a week um lately we last couple of years we've um, put out some like holiday retreads but i'd like to make sure we have an episode out we, we put out an episode when hurricane sandy hit um one of my co-host was recording it in his car and we figured out how to post it up and i was stuck in los angeles coming back from australia stuck there during the hurricane but we still put out an episode that week it was great uh so we do this week in marvel which covers everything that we do at marvel we talk about um all the stuff the comics the movies news we have interviews all that good stuff um and then i work a lot of creatively behind the scenes on a number of projects and different things and for the last two years or so my main like thrust of my non-podcast time has been for a new project that we just launched called marvel move which combines um marvel storytelling with audio and fitness and it's made by this amazing group of, of folks uh, from a company called Six to Start, and they've been doing this thing called Run Zombies for well over ten years, which is just the most fun. It's like you run from zombies. It's a really elaborate, wonderfully produced, um, dramatic, funny, sad, exciting, terrifying story where you you start running and there's a, a story that plays out, and then your music comes in, and then the story comes back, and it's back and forth kind of like that. And they, they have this wonderful world. And I actually did it. It helped me start running a number of years ago. They have a 5k trainer and helped me get moving. Um, so I was a big fan, tried to get them to partner with us many years ago. And then finally 
about two and a half years ago, we started to actually work together and build this project, which takes that same core concept of really cool stories and fitness and then whatever you want to do. And so we're injecting it with Marvel storytelling. And so um, I'm the the creative lead on that for Marvel, overseeing all the um, the scripts, the art, the audio, the ways we use Squirrel Girl as our um, as our uh, avatar, sort of in the in the trophy room within the app, um, and what she says and how she like her tone and and all that stuff, and uh, you know making sure that um, God, I had some really very obscure notes about our x-men stuff and about our thor and loki stuff and so we have we're launching with three stories with many more to come we have a thor and loki story we have a daredevil story coming up we have dr strange and scarlet witch coming up we have a huge huge x-men one which i i'll I'll tell you all because this is an x-men show um and we have a great hulk story but the x-men one is really cool it's called x-men age of orcus written by teeny howard so i get to see teeny scripts and work with her and, and just just got to talk to her again recently and just like shoot the breeze because she also was a, a zombies run fan and so when i reached out to her initially to be a part of the project she was like yes please sign me up uh and so i, I adore teeny and so she's come up with this amazing story called x-men age of orcus and what i love about it is it takes a lot of the great stuff about krakoa that i love that she has helped build but she injects it with a lot of x-men the animated series vibes so like her beast sounds like the beast that we all love from the nineties the animated series. And uh, we've got Jubilee in there. We've got Jean Grey is just this wonderful Jean. Uh, we've got Scott in there. We've got uh, the second episode has Wolverine touring you around Krakoa. Uh, and so you, you get like attacked quote unquote by a bunch of little uh, mutant kids at the sextant and they just call him uncle Logan. And it's like this really cute <laughs> moment and it's so sweet uh we've got uh jumbo carnation and emma and we've got time travel and uh gnarly stuff and wolverine you know when you hear wolverine in your ear say get moving bub you know it's like ah you gotta go you gotta go it's it's really fun and then there's a radio mode where if you finish an episode uh you, there's like some extra non-core story content kind of like a backup story and it's Jubilee and Nightcrawler, who are hosts of a Krakoan radio station on the island. I I laugh so much. I like I keep telling the team, can we do more? Can we just have this as like an ongoing thing? Because it's at one point, uh Jubilee they start playing charades and then Kurt start they start doing it in they start doing animal sounds and then Kurt starts doing it in German and like you start cracking up and Jean's laughing and Jubilee's laughing. And it is, I I can explain it to you. I, I really want everybody to hear it and, ex, and experience it. Cause it's like one of those things where I genuinely love what we're doing there. And I think we're having a lot of fun. And so we're building that. And then we've got like uh, the Marvels are coming up. We're doing a series with Kamala and Carol and Monica. And uh, we've got Captain America stuff. We've got guardian stuff. We've got Jerry I can't say that yet. We've got a lot of things coming up <laughs> that are really, really fun. And to check out our Marvel Move app, it's at zrx.app slash Marvel or Marvel Move. 
app or you go to Android, the uh, the Google Play Store, look up Marvel Move or ZRX. You go to the iOS App Store on your iPhone, you look up Marvel Move or iOS and you will find it there. It's going to be uh, jam-packed, lots of X-Men stuff and so much more. Uh, that's fantastic. I love hearing the passion in your voice. I listen to your show and I'm familiar with your voice, but I, I, I love your ability to hype things. Uh, and I also really enjoy, and this uh, this is podcaster to podcaster, although you're podcasting at a different level than I am. I, uh, I, I love how you find things to love in everything. There's uh, there's celebration and enthusiasm in your voice and like a safety that you create for people that I try to emulate in my show uh, rather than a level of criticism or controversy. Uh, and I think that's really important as comics fans to celebrate. And it's also, I don't know, like I said, creates that sense of safety where people want to be present and part of that. And I know that can take effort. Like it's a choice to move in that direction, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, thank you for saying that. And I think it's, it's really important. I, I know my strengths and I know I'm not a great critic. I like, I want to love everything and I want to be effusive and, and excited about things. Um, so like, yeah, there are things I don't like things that we do that I don't like, and that's okay. Not everything is for me. Not everything is for everyone. That's important. We, we should have an array of, of books, comics, movies, television shows, whatever that appeal to different people. Um, but there are certain things that I just may not like, and I don't want to waste my time talking negatively about it or lying. I do not want to lie about something. If I don't like it, I just won't talk about it. There's no point in me telling someone to check something out if I don't believe in it. And so um, there's plenty of stuff that I that we do that I love and plenty of time for me to talk about it. So let's focus on the fun stuff. There's enough people out there, you know, bashing things. Well, and there's also just uh, so many factors. And this is something we cover on the show a lot. Editorial moves in, legal moves in, things change. There's a deadline implemented or a cutoff sure. or the series is canceled. So much goes into the product that we end up getting into our hands. Uh, Jason, I know you're actively working in production right now. Uh, you have had both your Sentry series announced, which I am thrilled about, uh, as well as the uh, Howard the Duck uh, special coming up, which you get to take part in. Uh, tell me a little bit about the work you're doing right now. I'm so happy to see you working and on the rise. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So so Sentry is my first printed series for Marvel right now. Um, lots of pressure. <laughs> uh, but but it, it, it's kind of fun because uh yeah alana smith my editor she she uh came to me with the idea of like hey would you be interested in creating some new characters for for uh the marvel universe and one of them could be the new century we don't know <laughs> maybe we'll see um and uh yeah i, I was like heck yes because like the fact that i i get to add to the pool of all these rich characters in, in this universe uh I, I just jumped to the chance and uh so it like the series is a mystery uh where we're following jessica jones and missy knight as they're going storm chasing or, or century chasing um investigating catastrophes that happen to be century related um so i i've, I've been diving into all my memories of, of watching Cold Case and Law and Order and <laughs> <laughs> Law and Order SVU and and all that and, and try to to make it as as uh, mysterious as possible and you know 
I handed my uh, my my script to my 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 the script to issue number two to Elena, and she was like, "I like that. Th this is uh, everything is still mysterious at this point." I was like, "That's good," because like you know this this is halfway through the series, and like I want there to be uh, some some mystery behind this. Like I want fans to keep guessing what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, so that's Century, and then and then Howard the Duck. 50th anniversary um yeah this is a lot of fun actually because uh, okay especially with with all the with with all the uh, excitement with the uh, miss marvel being a mutant uh, being an x-men i thought wouldn't it be funny if <laughs> if i can kind of like tag along with the coattails with howard duck and have like do a what if story of what if he was an x-men and uh Derek Charm is the artist behind that. And man, I, I just saw the concepts that he did for it, and he just nails it. I, I just can't wait for you guys all to, to check it out because um it, it's it's just there's a lot of um he's really captured everything we love about like the 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 Claremont X-Men and and yeah that's Derek Charm. I I can't wait for y'all to read it. It comes out in November. That's fabulous. I've met Derek once before and I love his run on uh on uh Squirrel Girl. He's so fun. Uh who is your artist on Sentry? Sentry, it's uh Luigi Zagaria. Um yeah and he's been killing it. Like I've been seeing some preview pages. What's great about being just a writer is is being surprised each day uh, uh opening your email and, and and finding this gorgeous art pages um yeah i i, I think i'm gonna love just being a writer for marvel it's Actually, it's really fun i've got i've got preview or promo pieces coming up on my graphic novel and yeah when you open that inbox and see your art come in it's the best feeling in the world i'm a father and i love my children but it, it doesn't compare <laughs> <laughs> uh, christy go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna say like coming from like your you know because you are also an artist and a cartoonist and you got to you know essentially create a lot of new characters for this universe i'm really curious how your artist background but being fully just a writer on this, what was the like character design, character creation like? Was it hard for you not to be like, no, 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 I want it to look like this? Yeah. So uh, when I was coming up with the uh, the plot outlines and and I was also writing down the character details, I I I, I even like uh, came up with the, the character designs myself, and, and it, was, it was like just a rough idea of of how I want them to look, like j just so. Luigi can get an idea of like, oh yeah, so like, so like he can get an idea of like their history, their their nationality, just their their, their a good sense of each of this their story visually, just by like what they're wearing, and uh, yeah, Luigi got to play around with it a bit, but he still got like he still has a, a good sense of the essence of the characters. Actually, like one of the uh, variant covers that just got posted uh, a week ago was, uh, or a month ago, if, if you guys are listening to this on September 18th, uh, has a hint of my original character design costumes of, of my characters. So I was, I was like, oh man, we're, we're, we're running with this. Awesome. Wicked. 
That's nice. fantastic. I'm really excited. The covers for Sentry look really dynamic and really mysterious. I'm 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 a, I'm a huge Sentry fan in a weird way. I think he's a fascinating <laughs> character. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, this is my last question before we transition into the issue review. Uh, Ryan, what is the, your favorite and least favorite part of your job currently? And I'm going to ask all three of you this question, so it gives you a chance to think. Hmm. Uh, favorite is similar to what you guys are talking about when you get that new content. And when I get a new script, I get you know, our first pass of audio for an episode, or I get a piece of, of art because we have... Uh, some wonderful artists working on Marvel moves. So I like Diwali, who is this wonderful artist. Uh, I have Diwali doing a piece for or doing a series for us or um, Benjamin Sue, who, you know, does some great covers for Marvel and worked at Pixar when his pieces for our Daredevil series came in, like the joy, the beauty, the magnificence. It's so exciting. So that that's probably the the best thing, getting getting the new new in um, the the thing that I the worst is paperwork. Just, I, I know it's not glamorous to even mention it, but like doing an expense report, man, that's the pits. Uh, so if that's the worst, though, it's not so bad. Yeah, you're doing okay. Uh, Jason, how about you? Um, So yeah, one, one of the good things is like just getting um, just very positive emails from, from editors, like especially when it comes to like, like a crazy idea that I just pitched that got approved, like X Friends. I was like, I was just jumping for joy for that. Like, like just silly things that I can get away with that were like, yeah, you, you got the green light, we're, we're good to go. It was like wicked. I can't believe this is gonna be canon. Um, and then um, I, I guess the thing is, is it's hard to think of because like working for Marvel. It's still a joy to me for for these past two years, but I think the the one thing, uh, and it's not I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's more like okay, like I really need to be in this this very serious mindset, and it, it's it's like one you have to like write notes for the editors to I mean no uh, write notes for uh, the artists to make sure like the like they're give like you're communicating everything right so it will be translated perfectly for uh visually and in, in, on the comic book page so like i'm always like second guess myself like was i clear enough or like oh, i was not being mean was i like is this the self-doubting part of, of of i guess communicating via email absolutely i fully understand uh you always worry you're saying too much or too little yeah <laughs> uh christy same question i i think this is one that if you work in a creative industry or or uh, media or you know something content creation i think one of the things i do like about it is uh you get a chance to wear a lot of hats um and one of the things i really don't like about it is you have to wear a lot of hats and not all of those hats are like super fun uh whereas you know i really like the part of my job that is meeting people and doing interviews and asking questions and making friends and uh, you know, just learning kind of what makes people tick. Like my favorite thing in the world is just talking to people about what gets them excited, like what makes them wake up in the morning, you know, what they think their mission or purpose is. That's that's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. Uh, but then, you know, trying then, you know, it's like as soon as uh you know, the story is done or whatever. It's all the things that kind of come after that, the, you know, promoting and social media and 
um uh yeah it's uh, it's i i really like you know some of the hats you know that i get to try a lot of things but some of the other hats that you know you have to do because you want people to read it <laughs> Uh, I'll take that question last quickly. I, I mean, I could answer this as a business owner with my therapy business, but as a podcaster, my favorite thing, and I have a long list, actually, I love building relationships with people. It's super fun nerding out and like building this history with this company and like expanding. Uh, and uh, I love like making a list and checking shit off a list. There's something very satisfying about that. I love doing research. Uh, my least favorite parts are the social media aspects or the having to like follow up or harangue people. When someone emails back and they're like, yes, here it is. But when I have to continually be like, hey, hey, I haven't heard back from you yet. There's like that anxiety of like, is someone going to show up? But I love putting these shows out. And that's another part of my favorite of this is I worked in production uh, with my documentary and book and, and stuff before this. And you finish and then you wait for a year or two or three before things come out. This show, I get to bring it in, edit it, and then release it as I was. <laughs> There's something really lovely about that control. The graphic novel I'm working on is probably a, still a year out, and I've already been working on it for six months, you know? So it's uh, it's an intense thing to uh, look at the schedule portion of all this. Uh, this is really exciting. It's fun to get to know each of you. As we're transitioning into the second half, are you guys Wolverine fans? Uh, you're welcome to plug your favorite X characters as well. But uh, what do you love about Wolverine? Uh, Ryan, do you want to take this one first in your uh, Wolverine show? Sure. Hold on. Let me just get my friend who's sitting next to me. <laughs> uh, Giant have, Wolverine nice. toy. <laughs> yeah, this is a sideshow Wolverine. I've got one, two above me. I've got two over there. I've got a saber tooth. I like Wolverine. You know, he's like like that bad boy. Is you know, I I I will say I, I keep going to Marvel Move, but our Marvel Move has a little bit of the like feral old school Claremont burn Wolverine where one second he might just tear somebody's head off. And I like that, that old school Wolverine vibe of he was kind of dangerous. He was sexy in, in that like mysterious way. Um, yeah. I love Wolverine. My favorites. I mean, like I'm a nineties kid. So cable is I just adore cable and strife. We were on, we were just recording something for this week in Marvel. And I was talking to my co-host Anjali Grochet I was like, I think Strife was one of my earliest comic book crushes. Just something about the big silver spiky outfit. And then he took off the, the helmet and it was, <gasps> he's also Cable. And like, <laughs> there's something about that. I I just love Cable and Strife and, you know, I'm, I love Deadpool. But yeah, I think Cable, Bishop, Wolverine, probably my favorite X characters. Oh, but then there's Storm. And I love Storm so much. My daughter, who's four. She, the only main Marvel, like she knows some of the Marvel characters who are in the cartoons, but she knows Storm. She knows Storm. And it's, it's really cool. Storm's amazing as well. Uh, Christy, how about you? What do you love about Wolverine? So, uh, ooh, so I guess my love of Wolverine is sort of, uh, it's not so much, you know, that he is a bad boy, that he is, you know, berserker rage, that you know, he can, you can have as much blood on the page as you absolutely want to if you've got Wolverine in a book. Um, I I love dad Wolverine. I love D Wolverine just adopting every stray that comes his way. Like wearing my Professor Xavier's a jerk shirt. Like I love Wolverine with Kitty Pride. I love Wolverine with armor. You know, give, give him a stray, a, a girl he needs to teach to be a ninja or, you know, murder people or just, you know, <laughs> show, survive. 
um that's 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 definitely my favorite my favorite logan is uh is is when he's he's got somebody to protect and somebody to put his energy into and and kind of take under his wing uh but yeah that's i mean i guess that's one i also love that one of the great irony of wolverine is that he's so like estranged from all of his actual like biological children (laughs) for so much of his history but um but he's got he's got a lot of adopted kids so you know he tries. His, his biological <laughs> biological children are like sawfoot and cannon hands, whatever those guys from the mong- mongrels were. The mongrels, yeah. <laughs> he murdered most of them. So I mean, I guess I'll, I'll include clones too, his biological <laughs> children. Uh, I I will say, Christy, in uh in one of our X Men episodes, that second episode of Marvel Move, you you as the the listener are sort of the protagonist of the story, and so. Jubilee says to you, has he started calling you kiddo yet? That's what he does with, <laughs> with, with all of uh, uh, for everyone he's he's training around. And like she makes a joke about him being dad Wolverine, being uh, uncle Wolverine. It's really we get it. That's fabulous. Uh, Jason, same question. What do you love about Wolverine? Um, I, I guess the fact that he is a uh, Canadian, me being Canadian as well. <laughs> like I, I get to see him like represent our country. Um he it's kind of like being a canadian baseball player where we only have like one or two baseball teams in the major leagues um and yeah yeah like wolverine is that that one guy that that represents us that that we're going to root for even if he gets traded to an american company like the avengers or x-men like we will still support him and root for him um yeah like he, he was a, he was a big fan of mine when i when i was in elementary school and we when we would uh play pretend x-men together and 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 when i get to play wolverine like i i I love just yelling out berserker barrage (laughs) (laughs) uh my favorite part about wolverine is what he represented originally uh uh, ryan you were talking earlier about punisher uh when uh i was just rereading uh claremont's kind of earliest issues on the x-men i'm preparing some count nefaria content for later this year so count nefaria and the animen have uh taken over valhalla and they're threatening nuclear devastation unless every country in the world pays them a ransom and the x-men are flying on their way and wolverine says something like when we get there i'm gonna hack them into pieces and banshee goes like oh you're you're kidding right you're wolverine right you're just joking (laughs) <laughs> there's something amazing about this guy with the claws there's this little scrappy dude now when i was an up-and-coming reader uh in the 90s wolverine had that very much deadpool was this for me too very much like oversaturated feel like every time you'd open a book there's wolverine there's ghost rider there's deadpool there's venom and these characters for me became like so overused that i kind of lost interest in them a little bit and it's only kind of in more recent years that i've really become more of a diehard wolverine fan he's a he's a phenomenal character that's often used in very complex ways now the issue we're going to do today is from 1997 this is our final flashback month episode we've covered all of the x-men flashbacks at this point this is the last one uh this is wolverine minus one now in the main wolverine book around this time this is the operation zero tolerance story so we are cutting away the writer on this is larry hama the penciler is carrie nord inker is scott hannah the colorist is joe roses the letterer is richard starkings and emerson miranda of comic craft and the editor is mark powers 
now, this issue is interesting for a couple of reasons. Wolverine, one of his major huge appeals is he had this very mysterious past. He never knew where he had come from. We get nuggets of it. And if you guys remember, uh, well, let me step back. We've interviewed Paul Jenkins on the show and, and talked about the origin series, all about Wolverine's childhood. But we didn't know that story until many years after this. Wolverine's been around for about... I don't know what the 23 years at this point in the comics in 1997. And it, he's just been a huge mystery all along. He's first uh, appears in an incredible Hulk is like a Canadian soldier. He joins the X-Men and then he gets his own limited series in the mid eighties. That was hugely popular led to his ongoing in 1988 and it's now 97 and his titles run over a hundred issues, but Wolverine's mysterious origins were a huge part of this. Uh, we see him as an agent of the Canadian government and his first appearance in 1986 in Alpha Flight number 33. We see the story of how James and Heather Hudson, who are the future Vindicator and Guardian, and also Guardian and Vindicator because they switch names, of Alpha Flight. They uh, find a wild man living with wolves in the woods, and that's kind of where uh, Paul Jenkins' story ended to kind of set that up. In 1991, we learned about Team X, who is a group of secret operatives and mercenaries, uh, Wolverine, Sabretooth, and Maverick. Uh, first, uh, We first learned about them in X-Men Volume 2, Number 5. In Wolverine Volume 264, we learn that Sabretooth killed Wolverine's lover, Silver Fox. Uh, we get an X-Men flashback to World War II, where Wolverine meets the child Black Widow during World War II uh, and uh, teams up with Captain America. We also get like flashbacks to his soldier days when he teams up with Carol Danvers and Ben Grimm, who are both in this issue. Uh, he has a history with Nick Fury. He's had ninja training in Japan. He's been an assassin. Uh, he's had this insane like history of Sabretooth. But there's this thing, and maybe it's Romulus. That's the explanation they gave at one point. But they keep wiping his mind. Then in 1991, there was this giant maxi series in Marvel Comics Presents that's all about Logan. He's in a diaper and some wonky headgear. And we get this story about how the adamantium has been grafted onto his bones. So it's not a, his bones are a natural mutation, uh, the claws, but he's got a whole skeleton covered in adamantium. And this is where Weapon X shows up. And boy, has it expanded since then. Weapon X is this thing that I could explore for three or four hours on my show, still explaining all of the, the, the corners of this. So part of the appeal of this particular issue is we get a minus one or flashback story set before X-Men number one, in which we pick up where James and Heather have found Wolverine in the woods and we get this untold story. And at the time in 1997, this was a big deal because it's like piecing together one more thing. For those of you that watched Lost back in the day, every time a new episode of Lost came out, there'd be flashbacks and you're like trying to gather the little nuggets about how Jack knew Kate and this happened and that, and ooh, oh, Sawyer did this. And you're like piecing it all together. There was like a really fun part of this for comics fans for many years until they finally kind of blew Wolverine's origins wide open after House of M. But one of the reasons this issue was a big deal, it's a Wolverine Sabretooth story set in early continuity. Uh, do you guys want to talk a little bit about Wolverine's uh, shifting origins or some of your favorite components or even what it was like for you to jump into this particular issue before we open it up? I'll jump in. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I find it. It's weird because I, I think we've had some compelling stories, and getting to see those corners has been really good. But I'm a personal, personally, I just I like the mystery. I like, you know, him having those gaps, those those pieces that he doesn't know about, and and you know, especially in this issue, you get a bunch of like little pokey bits of them being like, oh, you don't remember that, ha ha ha, and <laughs> it's like. 
that's tantalizing. That's good. You know, it's really fun grist for, for people to play with, for readers to imagine. Um, I think that that adds a lot to it. That said, like, you know, origin such a like you, you get such a tragic story and you really then start to empathize and feel for what that young logan went through and like that nightmare and like those early years and gives more context to who he was and how he got to the point where he is now so i you know there's there's cases to be made for all of it and at the end of the day i think it's important for us to have stories that are enjoyable and if you know, we find ways to tell those stories that give origin, that take origin away, that like sort of uh, illuminate things. Then I'm I'm more interested in like, was it good? Was it fun? Do you remember it? That's that's key to me. There will always be more Wolverine flashback stories and always more Silver Age X Men stories. They, 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 that's that's the thing with Marvel. Uh, Jason, go ahead. Yeah, like the, the fact that like he he's in continuity like over a hundred years old or so. Like I'm just gonna accept any fact about his past like if he was an <laughs> undercover cop in 1950s sure why not if he was a sailor in 1920s sure okay um i'm accepting everything if, if, if it's printed <laughs> yeah i think uh one of the things that and and you know maybe this this came a little bit out of listening to chad your episode with john uh with paul jenkins was essentially uh this sort of reframing of some of his memory loss as like a uh way that his healing factor dealt with ptsd mm -hmm. and i you know kind of using that lens and going back and looking at different wolverine stories and how his memory loss you know motivates a lot of drama right like you don't recognize your own worst enemy like literally the person you have hated more than anyone in existence right um but and i don't know for me that's always like kind of an interesting examination even if it's not necessarily intended within the story it was made it's kind of a nice i don't know reframe i guess of the character's history with um uh I, you know, as I and and looking and looking at it with, you know, that in mind of what horrible thing happened to you as such that you cannot remember this. And, you know, for him, so much of his journey, you know, is picking apart those parts of his past that come back to haunt him. And if that isn't like a great metaphor for trauma, I don't, I don't know what is. We're getting ready to do a full month of Magneto flashbacks on my show in October. I guarantee in 2024, once we get to giant size number one, we're also going to take a month to do some Wolverine flashbacks. But his story, you just need to understand, is forever expanding. You throw Romulus in, you throw Silver Fox in, you throw Weapon X in, and it just gets overwhelming at a particular point. So you just have to get the idea that this man has been messed with a lot. And a big part of Wolverine's story is him living on his own terms. In the current comics, we've just seen him kind of renounce Krakoa because Beast just violated him in such a horrible way by taking his mind and turning him into a weapon. And this is something that is a huge part of this character is him wanting to forge his path and his own destiny. Uh, in this era, this is right after Wolverine has been found in the woods. He's been living or perhaps in a throuple with James and Heather Hudson for a period of time uh, because, you know, they, they found a wild man in the woods on their honeymoon and then he shared their cabin. I'm not I'm not saying what may or may not have happened, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> this cover seems to be an homage to something. It's reminiscent of kind of an old Nick Fury cover. We've got Wolverine, Sabretooth, Nick Fury, and Carol Danvers up in the corner box. Maybe Agent M is there in the background. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Sabretooth, who's dressed in his lumberjack finest, is sparring with Wolverine, who has the worst slick back pointy hair I've ever seen, <laughs> and the worst red and blue costume. Maybe my least favorite Wolverine costume, and that's including his no-nose look. Uh, but he does have a sexy harness with like the chonkiest Rob Liefeld belt of pouches that you have ever seen. Uh, Carol Danvers and Nick Fury, who has a cigar, but no eye patch. So, you know, this is the olden times are also appearing in cutaway uh, circles. Do you guys have any thoughts on this cover? I love pouches so <laughs> much. I I like if if he just had a couple more pouches, I'd be into it. It's just, oh, yeah, it, it's I agree that that costume is a weird choice, especially because he doesn't wear anything like that inside the issue. But man, give me them pouches. And it's also Sabretooth, like completely unlike how he's dressed in the issue. It's it's but look, it's an engaging cover. It's something that probably had someone, you know, 1997 going, what? Yes, give this to me. Uh, I, I like that his uh, belt buckle is a pouch as well. <laughs> it's just <laughs> pouches all around. Um, I, I wish I didn't see this cover because um, I, I, I like how Larry Hama like slowly reveals these characters in the story, um, like just just how they're presented. Because um, yeah, it, it, it makes it fun that way. There, there's so many cameos in this. Like, I'm surprised that uh, Ben Grimm is not on this cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a pretty fun. It's a pretty fun setup. Now, Sabretooth does have a similar history to Wolverine in some ways. His memory has also been altered, but in this issue, Sabretooth at least has some memory of their past together, whereas Logan has none. Uh, so when we open the book, we cut away from the Operation Zero Tolerance story where Bastion has occupied the Hulkbuster base. Uh, we see Stan Lee as a McDonald's worker, complete with spatula and greasy apron. This is a thing they did in every flashback book. It's Stan Lee as something else. Uh, he says, it all started years ago. How many years? Well, here's a clue. I didn't know how to spell Excelsior in those days. Uh, okay. We cut back to Logan sitting in an airport bar with James and Heather Hudson. They reminisce about that time that they shot Feral Logan in the woods before they took him back to their cabin for wild sex. The sex isn't real, <laughs> but it was their honeymoon. Uh, Logan now is wandering about his wondering about his past and how he got the adamantium on his bones. So James Hudson has arranged for Logan to visit Dr. Myron McLean, the inventor of adamantium in Washington, D.C. And now it's time for your favorite continuity deep dive. We get to do these every once in a while. Myron McLean first appeared in Avengers number 66 in 1969, which is also where adamantium first appeared. If you were unaware, Captain America's shield is made from a vibranium adamantium alloy that has never been replicated because Myron fell asleep at his computer and can't remember the formula <laughs> which is ridiculous yes. so adamantium is not a naturally reoccurring element it's a metal alloy that's incredibly expensive to make and it's very rare and it's virtually indestructible and cannot really be cut by anything in the world uh it's basically it's only weakness is like uh what would the the the, the Arisana. vibranium or whatever that stuff's called uh, what was that ryan the Muramasa blade as well. Yes, and the Muramasa blade. There are a few things, uh, but it's uh, it's a pretty strong thing. And the Magneto bonding... forcibly removing it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but the bonding process for adamantium being attached to bones was first created by a guy named Kenji Oyama, 
who is a Japanese soldier sometimes called Lord, Lord Darkwind. And he first appeared in Daredevil number 196 in 1983. Lady Deathstrike also first appears in this story right after that. So this is her dad. The process was stolen from Oyama and then given to Department H. And fun fact, uh, well, we, anyway, adamantium is associated with Wolverine and Cyber and Ultron, and it's this huge thing in the comics. But this issue seems to be trying to tie up a continuity thing by combining Dr. Martin McLean or Myron McLean with uh, Lord Darkwind. So I'll just uh, we'll we'll get out of that out of the way first thing. Any comments on this continuity? Well, I like that you put Cyber alongside Wolverine and Ultron, like <laughs> of you know the 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 people that everyone in the world knows from Marvel: Wolverine, Ultron, Cyber. <laughs> I wish that were the case. God, I loved I loved Marvel Comics Presents and those Sam Keith Cyber issues. Woof, that was my jam. <laughs> uh, okay, so Logan is flying to Washington D.C. to meet with McLean to find out about adamantium. Uh, he gets aboard a plane with pilot Ben Grimm, who calls Logan a knucklehead for the first time, for potentially, uh, I don't know, in continuity, but not the first time, of course, in history. Uh, Jason Lowe is also a knucklehead, uh, for those of you who would like to know. I am. <laughs> and uh, Logan says, I gotta remember that. Uh, he seems familiar with fighter jets, but he's not sure why. Uh, James and Heather wave at him. Logan's dropped off by a cab at the Department of Agriculture which is a building that's apparently being watched by both the CIA because Agent Lawson is reporting into Nick Fury and Hydra, who note that Logan is an escaped member of Team X that they have been looking for. Okay, I got all the major continuity stuff out of the way. Now we could just kick it and enjoy. Uh, Christy, well, do you want to take the, oh, oh, Ryan, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. I, I believe Lawson is Marvell, right? I wondered if that was Walter Lawson. I, who yeah, I was like... It's just, it felt, because you have Carol in there, it felt weird to not use, to, to use that name, but it's, he he's like just such a small blip. I was like, is that Marvel or not? But that was the I, only thing that flagged me in, uh, about that part. Yeah, I considered that, but he's not named directly. It was hard to know. No. With how many Easter eggs and like little like homages and references are in this one, I would not take anything for granted. Like I would not yeah, be surprised yeah. if every reference was somebody somewhere for sure. Lawson being uh, Marvel's civilian identity in the 60s books. Uh, Christy, do you want to take the next section of the book? Tell us what happens. Yeah, I do love the fact that, you know, if you're the Hydra agent that, you know, gets assigned covering the Department of Agriculture, like you got to think that is like the worst <laughs> assignment. <laughs> like you are, you are bottom of the barrel guy. Yeah. So, you know, both of the, I think, you know, kind of where I, you know, I love, I actually really love all the Easter eggs in this. Um, but uh, you see like, uh, you know, the Hydra agents are confirming, you know, this is indeed the guy that we're looking for. You know, they have a dream board of all their Weapon X, you know, experiments up that they're looking at. So they they definitely know it's their guy. Um, we cut to inside the building where uh, McLean's secretary, who is definitely not somebody that we've met before and that Logan would know at all. Of course I think not. it's Valerie Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, who, you know, is being an excellent gatekeeper and is not letting, you know, him through until he eventually has to pull the claws because apparently Hudson sends just, you know, raving, you know, Canadians from Ottawa, McLean's way all the time that he's uh, just, what does he call them? Uh, <laughs> uh, delusional vagrants, I think. <laughs> uh, 
but he does eventually get um get through the front door logan does to see mclean and um, my snicking he's like take this asshole yeah exactly <laughs> like does this look like a delusion to you uh but yeah so he gets the whole you know physical treatment which you know i i i i love that this is all inside the department of agriculture i'm not gonna lie like just these high-tech facilities hidden in annex b uh but yeah he you know you know starts immediately geeking out over mclean does over uh logan's skeleton um this is obviously this guy's jam for sure uh and meanwhile you know uh, our secretary, who's definitely not important at all, uh, is on the phone with a friend. And so this, this uh, you know, I, I think at this point we can reveal that it is Carol Danvers who is, right, standing in and, uh, uh, you know, been who knows how long posing as this guy's secretary. Um, but, but I think she was a CIA agent at this point. Yes. Yeah, Howard. she's, she's yeah. both a spy and like an Air Force colonel. She has a complicated history. And I want to note, Carrie Nord draws a beautiful shirtless Wolverine. Sometimes people draw like musculature, like so weird. Wolverine looks great with his shirt off on this page. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, and and you know when he's uh, putting his shirt back on and everything like it's 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 a good look it's a good look for sure um <laughs> but yeah uh i mean and carol we should notice in this like really great double-breasted burgundy power suit so you know she's killing it as well <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah so so she you know is on the phone you know letting her higher up who i think you know is, is gonna be fury i'm yes right and um and meanwhile, McLean still just geeking out hardcore over adamantium. He drops in, you know, a total humble brag about how he invented vibranium to go on to sort of go into some of the dark wind stuff that you mentioned, who I will refer to as Lady Dust Strike's dad. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and you know, I mean, real bummer actually for Lady Dust Strike's uh, dad. <laughs> Lord, Dark Lord Darkwind's costume is like a bathrobe with like a bag over his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's like a veil with like it's like you couldn't afford the whole ghost costume it just got cut <laughs> off at the shoulders um but yeah who you know you know pioneered this adamantium metallurgic process of grafting it to a skeleton of course his work was stolen as you mentioned and mclean is explaining all this you know about you know uh uh, Lord Darkwind's plan to uh, create a super samurai to avenge, you know, Japan after the defeat in World War II, which World War II in and of itself plays a big part in this sort of, um, everybody's history is very like, you know, at this point, before too much sliding timescale, very interlaced with whatever they were doing in World War II. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's about to drop a kind of another, you know, presumably bombshell about another covert project that might be able to help Logan solve the mystery of how he got his adamantium skeleton. But they are very rudely interrupted by a man in a cowboy hat and just a very slick suit shaped like a frigid air um, <laughs> with an excellent ponytail, I will say. It is like peak like 97 pro wrestler ponytail and, and I'm here for it. Sabretooth goes, shut your pie hole, Myron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, does not want to get government secrets out, of course. Uh, but yeah, of course, you know, these guys go way back. So I think 
I mean, coming up, like, you know, watching animated series and stuff, I'm so used to, like, whenever Logan Sabretooth is coming around, Logan smells him from two miles away. So to have, like, Sabretooth, like, show up and, Log and Logan just be like, who are you? He smells bad, but I, I don't know who this guy is, is, uh, is you know, a little, a little unnerving. Um, and, you know, uh, Victor Creed seems to really enjoy having sort of this information up on Logan and lording it over him and, you know, kind of interrupting any chance he has to find out more about how he got this skeleton from McLean and, you know, threatens Myron. And, and uh, I, I do I do like this this line from Logan of, you know, I wish everybody would stop being so enigmatic and just fill me in. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I feel that. I feel that guy. <laughs> so uh, this but, panel, this panel on this page, Christy, based on facial hair alone, mm -hmm. fuck, Mary kill, Sabretooth, Wolverine and Dr. Myron McLean. Oh, only no. only based on facial hair. Um, I think I would have to, okay, I, you know, I was going to say I would marry Logan, but his wives don't have a good track record. <laughs> uh, so I think I'd have to kill Sabretooth, fuck Logan, and marry McLean, and, you know, maybe I'd get an adamantium skeleton out of it, or, like, I, vibra or a vibranium ponytail. shield. Sabretooth's yeah. got the ponytail, and you're, I've seen your boyfriend's hair. I thought, I was, I thought you were going to pick Sabretooth. You know, you know, but he's, he, his, his sexual history really turns me off. Like, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not a good guy. I, I don't think I would feel loved or supported, you know, in the aftercare of whatever that sex would look like. <laughs> He's he's definitely not not an aftercare kind of guy, and that's really important if you're gonna if you're gonna do the rest. Of <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, that's a it's a good look though. I like I like the cowboy. Hat. It's very different from the look he has on the cover. Like the like Ryan was saying, um, you know, in this he's got this little skinny tie kind of like Texas businessman suit, but it is really giving like '90s pro wrestler at like an awards event vibe. Uh, Sabretooth throws his arm around like Logan, like, hey, buddy, let's go talk for a while. Since you don't remember me, he's enjoying this fact very much. Uh, tell us about where they go. Uh, so uh, is it is still me? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so he kind of steers them away into this sort of like basement area. And, you know, this is, you know, Wolverine is getting increasingly suspicious of this guy. Um, uh, you know, to the point where, you know, Victor's kind of toying with him about, uh, oh, you don't remember me? Like, you know, you're cutting me to the quick. I'm I'm, I'm so hurt. And, you know, Logan really calls him on this. Like, no, I bet nothing hurts your feelings very much, which, you know, you know, have you ever met somebody who is void of empathy? Like, you can kind of feel it sometimes. <laughs> uh, but that is sort of where um, I think this is, you know, meanwhile, uh, we have our uh, Hydra agents who have been, you know, tracking this living weapon um, and their superior has arrived, who I believe is uh, Lady Hydra. <laughs> it's, it's hard to exactly know who that is, but there's like a full like Heil Hitler moment happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 given Nazi and it, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, the, the Hell Hydra is usually two arms and there's just one. It's real weird. And that panel also, I love that there's just like business suit Hydra guys who are just like, oh, I got to put my hood on. Can't like change the rest of my outfit. And he's just like, hi. They they got that note from Darkwind. They, not only did people <laughs> steal his notes, they also stole his look with just the, just the head cape. <laughs> this subject is a living weapon. One we may be able to turn to our own advantage if we can control his berserker rages. <laughs> uh, Jason, do you want to take us through the next section of the book? What happens? Yeah, so um, 
Texas High Roller, who is not Sabretooth, <laughs> is escorting <laughs> Logan out of the building through an alleyway. And uh, uh, Texas think, High Roller is well, testing Logan's memory. And he's uh, giving he's giving the most Sabretooth quote of all time, which is hoo-ha. <laughs> yeah. I, see, I read that it's like a Stoking. marine, like, or you know what I mean? Uh, Oorah, kind of. Oh, who knows? <laughs> or it could be El Pacino from uh, Heat. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he even like, uh, you know, he, he's trying to test Logan's memory and even prods a very dark memory of uh, the murder of Silver Fox by saying, You think I'd. You'd think I'd come over to your house and rip your girlfriend's throat out of or something. And Wolverine's like, uh, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what <laughs> why why are you bring this this up? And uh and Sabretooth is like, so you really don't remember? And he pulls out his like very fat, sharp um nails as he's like cleaning his fangs. Uh totally not Sabretooth that all behind the the Texas high roller. <laughs> cowboy hat um and then he pulls out a gun and he's about to shoot logan but he then says, uh, he, he says you may be the birthday boy logan but i'm the one who gets to blow out your candles which just sounds like sex talk i gotta say <laughs> with no aftercare oh, like. <laughs> uh sorry the uh the Hydra agents pull up and uh and one of them I, I I went back to like Disney's Robin Hood, which is a movie I watched at least a thousand times growing up. And there's a scene where Lady Cluck is playing football and Prince John yells, seize the fat one. <laughs> and she like barrels them all over. There's a there's a guy here who who yells, uh, who subdue the short one. And it made me smile. So Wolverine pops his claws. There's a shrimp and a snick snick. And they're like, holy fuck, we need reinforcements. This guy's got claws, which they knew already. They talked about his berserker rages. Uh, Carol Danvers pulls in with uh, Nick Fury. They are full action in their old, I don't know what kind of car that is, some sort of sedan as they fire guns at the Hydra agents. Uh, uh, Nick Fury says, I haven't popped caps like this since uh, in a firefight since the retreat from the reservoir, which, you know, the, the weird thing about Carol Danvers here, and this is an interesting part of her history, if we ever examine this more, is the sliding time scale is very complicated for her because she's real old. <laughs> the way the she looks out. great, though. Yeah, she's looking she's killing she's looking it. <laughs> Black Widow and Nick Fury are the same. Now, Nick Fury has the Infinity Formula. Carol Danvers later gets the Negabands. Like, there's there's all kinds of things that it can explain this. We do have incontinuity uh, why the Black Widow is so old, but Carol Danvers, it's an interesting one. Uh, Jason, do you want to keep this going? So I, I like that. Like, if if, uh, if you didn't see the cover, you, you, you just see two random strangers pulling out their guns and, and saving Wolverine, um, and and yeah, telling him to jump in, and uh, as they're being chased by uh, the Hydra members, and uh, yeah, like there's a weird panel can... of like Wolverine jumping in the car, and all you see is his two feet sticking out of the window. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give love uh, to yeah, the lettering there, a here, door, guys. <laughs> the lettering with all the sound effects for the the gun blast is just it. It really fills the page beautifully, like the blam, 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 the rat-a-tat-tat-tat. I think it's it's really well done there. Uh, Wolverine says, I didn't agree. care much for guns, and Fury says, you never did, which implies their history, which is also fun. Yeah, so yeah, Nick, Nick is like like throwing some other memories, like some other war stories, like, are you sure you don't remember this? It's like, and like Wolverine is like, like, 
like, who are you? What were you talking about? And he's like, don't you remember me? It's it's me, Nick Fury. And this here is a spell. Uh, you might not know her, but this is a special agent, Carol Danvers. So it's that's when it's revealed in a comic that it's Carol Danvers, which is pretty neat. And, uh, and then they're, uh, yeah, as, as, uh, as they're making their introductions, they're being, they're still being shot at by Hydra members and Sabretooth is still left behind, um, fighting off some other Hydra members with, uh, this, this car that has these, uh, these flaming decals. <laughs> There's a, a moment where a Hydra agent blasts out a tire and he goes, har, blew that BF Goodrich clear back to Akron. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ryan, take us through the end of the book. What happens? I will. One last thing about that last section. Uh, Nick Fury gives Logan a, a cigar as like a crucial piece here. And he's here. Here, get a lip grip on this stogie, which is <laughs> wonderful. Larry, God bless you for writing that line. Um, and yeah, so we go in and then psh, the, the tire is blown out. Kathoom right into a wall. Uh, Fury, Carol, and Logan crash their car, but... We got Logan leaping out, ripping through the goons, following him. Just like brutal, no blood, but like Logan cuts right through the windshield and cuts uh, the driver of one of the other cars to pieces. And you see his arm hanging out in the next panel and Logan is there and he's like that crouched classic Wolverine, claws out, ready to pounce. He's like probably starting to get a little berserker fury. Um, I love the line, put him down like a dog uh, because, you know. Uh, that that does tie into some of that continuity that we'll find out m some years later. But uh, we get Logan about ready to to go after them, and then psh, that car blows up. A a rocket from off camera, off panel comes in, and then we get this this long, you know, two thirds uh, vertical panel of the Black Widow, not named. She doesn't reveal herself because. She doesn't need to, but she's talking about Soviet Russia and all this other stuff. Uh, In she's got, tight, like head to toe leather. This girl can get it, man. She looks yes. good. Yes. It's like that, like grayish black look. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of what Carrie Nord does in this issue is kind of like a little bit of Mike Mignola work throughout this and the way like the shapes and especially the, the, the use of blacks and the line work. It's like, it's a really cool looking issue throughout. Um, and she's holding this bazooka that is still smoking. It's like, you know, a hamana hamana moment for, for a lot of people here. Um, she's in and out quick in this one though. It's, it's really great. I particularly love on that page, the very close up panel of her eyes and her bangs coming down. I just think it's, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful work there. Um, we do get to see uh, the, best at what you do line she drops another thing this is one of the the great running pieces throughout all this that we talked about earlier and we've talked about throughout this is little bits and pieces of logan's like you know like greatest hits he adopts throughout this story and she, she says uh specifically uh it has long been said in my country you are the best at what you do see i did not do a bad soviet accent there that's uh, my present to everyone else. Uh, she she walks away. She's there for one page. It is great. Her day rate for that was huge. All they could do was budget her for one page. But uh, then phew, suddenly 
the the hot rod comes barreling in another hoo-ha from, yeah you know it's saber tooth because there's a hoo-ha there's a hoo-ha now <laughs> i i like the the texas oil man pro wrestler vibe but i also this is five years after reservoir dogs there's a very reservoir dogs vibe to saber tooth in this uh there's just something about the way he's drawn the way that it feels if you look at like that that poster for reservoir dogs that suit just sort of hangs the same way that's that was the vibe that i took from this um but he uh he comes in he's talking about being on one side of the government and the others are on the other side of the government it's a lot of like little bits and pieces there there's a weird panel where there's no like saber eyes are just white and is it's a it's a real weird one but still great stuff at the same time Fury and Carol just sort of be like, I'm stepping back on this one. I don't want anything going on right here. They just basically bounce out while the two bad boys start to shoot each other or rip each other to pieces. Uh, Logan slices. Sabretooth says he's not. He's basically not allowed to, to cut him up. Um, although I do really appreciate Carrie Nord drawing Sabretooth with those giant paws. Like, especially if you look at the cover and you look at a bunch of the other places, he looks like he has bare pause big big mitts it's, it's a really great way to accentuate his size but logan is about to cut him up and he's just basically going to do it and he's like nah i'm not going to do that right now uh maybe someday i'll do the world a favor and punch a claw through your brain but not today which is a nod i believe to the issue right before um before age of apocalypse right he he does yeah, pop the yeah. cloth uh, great, great stuff there. Also written by Larry. Um, and then another piece of Wolverine's business. He takes Sabretooth's hat. He's like, hmm, I like this style. Grabs the hat, basically walks off into the sunset. And Fury, at the same time, he's just like, nope, let's let him go. Nothing bad can come of this. <laughs> uh, it does show a little compassion and empathy, but at the same time, it's like, Dude's a living weapon who needs who literally needs help. And apparently you used to be you were friends of his. Please help him. Nope. Just let him go. Okay. Uh we get a little bit more of Hydra. They they're they're also like, let's send a rocket to kill him. We've got a beat on him. And and the maybe Madam Hydra, which is a another really great, very simple but elegant panel of the hood all in shadow except for the eyes. It's a really cool look. Um, she's like, nah, you know, we're going to let him basically cause chaos and hurt himself and hurt everybody else, which is cool. You know, his, his darker side will consume him. Lots of ominous portents throughout all that. Uh, Logan lands back in Ottawa and uh, James and Heather are there to meet him at the airport. And Heather says, hey, nice hat. Looks good on you. But where'd you get it? And also, when did you start smoking cigars? And he goes, <laughs> you might say I paid for the hat a long time ago and just picked it up. The cigar, some howling Yahoo plugged it into my mug and it just seemed to fit, which I'm just now realizing how much effort it must have been for Nick Fury to keep a cigar like suspended between his teeth while shooting a gun out of a speeding car. <laughs> it's the first thing they teach you in spy school. Yeah. <laughs> There were a lot of characters in the 90s who had big old cigars or stogies or cigarettes hanging out of their mouth all the time before Marvel was like, yeah, let's maybe not do that anymore. Wolverine and Nick Fury being the uh, the top two. Uh, and Ben Grimm. 
Owen Ben Grimm, of course. What was it like for you guys to revisit this issue? Do you have any final thoughts on the art or the story? It's a pretty fun Wolverine story, but it ranks pretty low in Wolverine Sabretooth mashups. Uh, the the fun part for me is the Easter eggs. I think that's uh, that's the best part of this issue. Uh, Jason, do you have final thoughts here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was like a great fanfare issue. Like, there's so much fan service and lots of cameos. Uh, it's it's just a lot of fun that they're able to integrate characters that you wouldn't think would be part of Wolverine's history, like Ben Grimm. Like it could have been any other pilot, but they decided on Ben Grimm as the pilot, and, and you know, like just just little puzzle pieces like that in this issue just makes this so much fun. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Carrie Nord's art? Are you a fan? Um. Now, the funny thing is, like, I've known Carrie through Raid Studios, which is this uh, a collective of, of comic artists and illustrators in Toronto. Um, and I, I knew him for, for his work in, in Conan and uh, and all, like, like, like barbarian stuff. Like, just, he, he likes just drawing, like, just barbarians and stuff like that. And I, and, I did not know, like, he used to work, like, far back as this issue. Like, I've known him for about 10, 15 years, and this was, when was this issue? 1997. 1997? Yeah, yeah I, I was surprised he, he was in the industry that young. And, uh, I mean, it, it's it's really neat to see, like, his early work till now, Um yeah, it it's it it really shows like he 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 uh like you can see like like how he draws Wolverine and 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 uh and Sabretooth like like he's really good at drawing like like rough rugged beefy dudes and uh <laughs> uh Christy any final thoughts on this issue? I mean, yeah, I mean even just the art like uh I know Ryan touched on this a little bit, but like there's such dynamic panels, like you don't get a lot of the same uh, sort of camera angle, you know, too much unless they're really trying to make a point. And I really appreciate that. Like, you know, when Wolverine stops to like pick up his hat, that's like kind of one of the very few instances where we get sort of like, you know, very similar panels back to back. And I know it, it, I think it gives the story like a lot of momentum. It moves forward. It's very quick. It's snappy. It's it's fun. It's super fun. Um, yeah. And I think like you guys were saying, the uh uh sort of all of the little like if you're a wolverine fan or even you know no matter kind of where in his history as a character you kind of came in there's like something here that's like you know about this you know about this and and you know readers love to like feel smart like you know you're like oh i i, I understood that reference right so i mean it's super fun going through and finding all those little things and i think one of the things i was thinking about when i finished this you know between like the cigar he's you know you're the best at what you do with the cowboy hat it's like <laughs> part of uh you know where you think maybe you have like an individual personality but actually you're just a collection of all the cool things that you're all the things you thought were cool about the people around you and you cobbled them together in a personality <laughs> is a little bit what it feels like for poor logan like oh yeah that's great i'm taking that oh that's that's cool i'm taking that too the cigar is mine this hat is mine that's saying it's mine <laughs> Uh, as we are uh, wrapping up, Ryan, I'd love to hear your final thoughts as well. Uh, one, Carrie Nord, I love the way he draws veins. I, I just saw a thread on social media about artists and the way they draw arms and veins and how that's sort of like going back to Richard Corbin and, and a bunch of other artists in the 70s and, and, and how it's evolved. And 
just the way that you draw like a dude with like these strong arms it's like it's rad uh it's fascinating to think about this one too because this is right at the end of larry's run on wolverine this is like almost 90 issues in somewhere around there this is he's got like four issues left after this give or take um and then he goes off and then warren and laniel come on for for their run uh but I felt like this one of him is just like, okay, cool. I'm going to put this in here and this in here and this in here and this in here and this in here. And then like, bye, see you later. Uh, Cause Larry is, you know, among the, the, the writers who have done the most work on Wolverine in a lot of ways, especially at a formative time from like 1990 to 1997, you know, that's, that's a lot of groundwork for him to cover and a lot that he built. So um, it, it's definitely, as you mentioned, not the greatest Wolverine saber tooth fight, but I don't think it needs to be. It's like we've got, you know, we've got Wolverine 10, we've got Uncanny, you know, those bunch of like 210, 212, whatever it is, 222. This is just a cool, like, little tip of the hat to uh, of things that we'll see later on. Um, yeah, I love these flashback issues, the negative ones. It drives me absolutely nuts because they are not cataloged properly because our CMS does not work well for negative <laughs> numbers or point numbers in Marvel Unlimited. So this is this is chronologically it's in the right place in Marvel Unlimited in the, this volume of Wolverine, but it is listed as like number zero, which it's not. Uh, so if anybody out there is trying to find it, it's in a funky place. I will happily send you the link to it directly if you need it because it took me some finagling to find it. Uh, also, I'll shout out the uh, Hulk flashback issue by adam kubert and peter david is spectacular if anybody ever wants to, to to get a hint of it it is it is a big heavy issue but it also has stanley drawn as a circus uh ringmaster which is a blast uh excellent you guys this has been a blast my favorite part is just bringing together fun fellow educated ridiculous nerds this has been a delight uh jason and christy it's so good to see you ryan thank you for the gift of your time and talents uh today what a joy to get to know you uh as we are wrapping up uh tell people where they can find you online and is there anything each of you would like to plug given that we're going to put this out on uh september 13th uh ryan jason and then christy uh, yeah. So, um, you can find me at agent M on Instagram, Twitter threads, most places like that. Uh, you can listen to me every Friday with my uh, official Marvel podcast this week in Marvel. Um, and I am, um, the creative lead on Marvel move, as I mentioned earlier. So we have lots of episodes. I think right around now should be episode five of X-Men age of Orcus coming to Marvel move in which you are in the savage land. You're hanging out with beast and it is a blast. There's all kinds of wild stuff. We have dinosaur sounds. We have mysteries. We have um, a lot of running or walking, jogging, however you want to go. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then big mysteries coming up and, a lot of the characters that I've talked about and some of my favorites will likely be showing up in Marvel move this season. So uh, this season of X-Men. So please check it out. And stay tuned immediately after we conclude our show here. Uh, Ryan has sent a, a really fun audio clip that we will put at the end of this episode. That's a delight. Uh, Ryan, thank you again. Uh, uh, Christy, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm Christy Porter. I am on most of the socials at Porter Geeks Out. Uh, I'm the managing editor at Salt Lake Magazine. It's a regional rag. Uh, you can find a lot of the stuff I write there. Uh, and I actually have a, a story coming out soon in a Halloween anthology for Dark Horse. 
sorry, not Marvel, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, called Headless Horseman. I think it drops towards the end of October. Uh, it's uh, it's a story I wrote uh, with my partner, Philip Seavey, uh, who is also uh, did the art for it. It's super fun. If you like 80s nostalgia and trick-or-treating and bad things happening to shitty children, it is a story for you. Um, uh, it's a, And it's a fun book. Like David Desmulsion has a story in it. And uh, Lucas Kuttner does some of the interstitial uh, matter as well as really cool cover. So, um, oh, and there's also a Mignola cover that is gorgeous guys it's uh, anyway sorry it's great <laughs> super excited uh jason is having fire alarm issues so i'm going to do the outro for him uh you can find jason at jason uh, rebel underscore low l-o-o on the uh, various platforms. Also, please support Jason's work uh, and pre-order uh, Howard the Duck, the anniversary issue, as well as the Century Limited series. Jason's doing amazing work. And anytime you are enjoying a uh, creator's uh, stuff, make sure to order it and support it and talk about it. Uh, lastly, I'm Chad Anderson. I keep my own social media private because I've got kiddos, but the three of you are welcome to add me. You can find me on Gray and PP like podcast on Twitter, Gray and underscore lane on Instagram. I'm also on the various other platforms like Discord and blue sky etc uh the show coming out immediately after this one is going to delve into an early 70s uh, Spider-Man story. Amazing Spider-Man number 92, which is a Spider-Man versus Iceman story uh, featuring the talents of Steve Orlando, Steve Fox, and Steve Duda. It's all Steves all the time on this particular episode, which is going to be delightful. The next Patreon com episode coming out immediately after this is going to feature the character Lois London or Mortis with the world's biggest Dazzler fan, Michael Anderson. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Jason. We will see you back here next time on Gray Malkin Lane. And stay tuned for uh, the audio clip from uh, Ryan's show. She's saying you're gonna have to be bait, bub. <laughs> Maybe that's your code name. We can call you bait. Logan, that's not exactly how I'd say it, but it's not entirely incorrect. Lastly, keep your eyes peeled for Trask and any of her guards. Focus on bringing them in for questioning. Remember, on Krakoa, we murder no man. I'll be with you. And I'm able to send a mental feed of everything we see to Forge back home. We aren't alone, and you're gonna be okay. Ready? Doesn't matter if they're ready, Genie. They're here. Run, Bub. They must chase you, not catch you! We're right behind you, Storm! <sighs> I've managed to flood the corridor, so we have a moment to recuperate. Whew. Where's Wolverine? Where's Jean? They must have gotten separated. They are strong, Scott. They will endure as a team. Now we must be strong. I don't know how long that flooded corridor will last. They seem to be hunting for our new friend pretty aggressively. Foolish Sentinel. Stand back! You threaten the goddess Storm! Go! Come on, Storm can handle herself, trust me. Let's find Jean and Logan. I'm worried about you being split up from them. Go! I'm right with you! Okay, ready? I've got you covered! Run!
careful, Bob. You can't just sneak around like that and not keep your eyes peeled to madmen coming up behind you. Logan, there you are. Well, honestly, I didn't expect a new mutant to attract quite this much attention. I expected a few Sentinels to gain interest, but it seems like everyone in this factory wants them for itself. Now that we've seen Trask, we can't leave so soon. Storm, what are your thoughts? We cannot harm Miss Trask, nor do I want to, but Jean's power here is incredibly valuable. Jean, can you read Miss Trask's mind and gather information for our next mission? I'm trying, but there's some sort of psychic noise. It's like she's wearing a psychic dampener to try and block me. If I could get closer to her... Well, my claws are already out. She can still give us info if she's poked like a corn cob, yeah? Why don't we pivot? If that Trask lady sees her sentinels break from us and chase down the new kid, she'll certainly be stunned enough for Jean to get a read before we escape through the gate. If we move right now, let's move and get our new recruit home safely before this gets out of hand. Let's do it, X-Men. Break for the roof and make it up to the gate. Let's hope they follow. can stop at me. That's far enough! Run! Up front with me! Storm will slow them down and catch up with us at the gate! Hurry, this way. There are a lot of people here, and I need to safely direct the crowd with my mind. I know someone who can help you, if I can contact him. But don't slow down! I promise he can't get you! You're going to choke on your food! Detecting unknown target. What? No offense, but... Sentinels are big machines that attack mutants. Why would they be attacking you? You better run, Bob. Try and keep up. You can call me Logan. Jeannie sent me. I'm supposed to help you. Jeannie's a sweetheart. She'll take real good care of you. We're just good friends, mind you. Jeannie's got herself a fella. Guy named Cyclops. Can't miss him. Shoots red blasts from his eyes. Huge stick up. I said keep moving. Thank you for listening to Greymalk and Lane. We hope you are enjoying this podcast. Greymalk and Lane is produced and recorded in Salt Lake City, Utah, with music and editing done by my husband, Michael Bell, and promo art done by the incredible Seth Martell. Look for us on Patreon, where we are releasing weekly episodes about obscure characters and facts. Uh, It's a great way to participate with the podcast for only just a couple of dollars a month, and it helps support what we are doing here. Also, the best way you could help Graham Malkin Lane is by sharing and liking and subscribing, but also please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you back here next time on Graham Malkin Lane.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.